Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. rejoin and i didn't realize the repercussions of it (laughs) i feel like every time that plays wes is going to go on another rant it is the biggest thing i think you care about because as soon as that was rolling it was raining today and it got you on another tangent about coming into work today man let me tell you so you know i live in concord i take my son to school in fort mill when i have him and so i've gotten to the point i've gotten so adept at this journey that when I look in the GPS and see how much time it tells me that it's going to take to get there, I know what's happening. I know if it says 45 minutes, I'm like, okay, we'll have a nice smooth drive this morning. But I know when it starts creeping up to 55, stuff like that, I'm like, oh boy. So as soon as I came out the house this morning, I looked, it said 55 minutes. I said, oh boy. (laughs) I said, some idiots. I told Bryce, I said, the idiots are out. I said, all right. It is a 20 minute ride from here to his school from my offices it legit when i dropped him off at eight a little bit after eight o'clock it was like 802 i did not park my keister in my chair in this office now granted i did stop at mcdonald's and grab some breakfast (laughs) so if you take away that probably 15 minutes it it legit took me like an hour and a half to get here the traffic was just unbearable ways is taking me all kinds of directions back roads I'm like, can these people, I told Bryce, I said, you can see the intelligence of the planet when it rains. I said, because you can count on the dummies that are weaving in and out of traffic, driving too fast, causing wrecks and causing delays. I'm done. I'm not going to take it no more than that. I just wanted to get that off after that promo, man, because this morning was, it was ridiculous. My parents have always said, Charlotte drivers. Instant uh, instant idiots just add water. But it isn't just here. It's everywhere. It's all over the country. Charlotte, actually, I think I, I saw on the news that Charlotte or North Carolina as a whole as a state got named one of the safest places to drive. Oh, that's terrifying. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. No matter what state you go, they're going to be dumb-dumbs that get out on the road and don't know what the hell they're doing. All right, Shrabby, I didn't want to cut into your segment. I just thought I would bring that. That was incredible. I like that. <laughs> And it's going to be raining tomorrow a lot, too, guys. So, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, when you wake up and it's raining, it feels like I'm glad. It feels like you've been in a pretty decent mood today. I'm shocked. After yeah. Knowing how much you hate the rain and how it affects everybody else, I'm shocked that you have been in a relatively decent mood today. Yeah, because I'm in my car a lot. And and then the, then the last one I say, man, there was a wrecked bus when it took me on the back streets. I had to go down Tavola Road. It, it took me back there. There was a wrecked bus. Right. So they helping the bus and I stop and I hate when people sit there and they just want to cut out of the line and get in front of you, knowing you got your signal on. But everybody wants to keep going because everybody got to get where they got to go and where you got to go. is not important. And then it seemed like an endless line of traffic already coming in the left lane. And then you got the cutters that want to keep jumping out and, and risking everything to try to get out. I was cussing in the car when I said that. I'm like, yo, I know y'all see me trying to get over. I know you see my turn signal. 
NASCAR Brad writes in, preach, Wes. I drive eight to nine hours a day for a living. Ooh. NASCAR Brad understands your pain. Yeah. So does Commander Malik, who says, I drive for a living, and I see it every day. Every day, stupid drivers. No matter what the state, the town, there is no such thing as a great driving city. Everybody's idiots on the road. <laughs> everybody has it. Everybody has idiots. Not everybody's idiots. Everybody has idiots on the road. Jim Thorpe writes in, 80% of drivers drive distracted. Yep. That's how it feels. What I love is I'm hoping that we get some other text while people are driving. <laughs> and does that not make you madder than anything when you drive up on somebody that's driving stupid and you see their face in their phone? Yeah. Robbie, I know you do that. No, You're, a young no. You're a young no. guy. You're a young guy. I know you'd be up in there. I am responsible. Sitting there driving with your are knees your, are and you got listening? the phone in your face. Are your parents listening <laughs> a little bit? Probably. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're probably listening. Yeah, I was about to say. No, I have, I have my new car. I can't. I can't be distracted while I'm driving. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Mommy and Poppy Shroppy. You may, may want to make sure. <laughs> Poppy Shroppy. I want to make sure that they're listening to their responsible kid. And I understand everything you're going with there over there, Shrop. Um, all right. That was incredible. Uh, that was that was amazing. And now I we got to rapid fire this thing because that right. was a great rant. Let's drop it like it's hot with Aaron Shropshire. All right, we got a few sound bites here. Greg Olson, he was speaking about Dan Morgan, the kind of job that he might do with the Carolina Panthers. A couple of Panthers in this sound bite here with Greg Olson mentioning Dan Morgan after he was announced president of football operations and general manager. Here's uh, the sound bite from the former tight end. You removed the playing days and you removed the Mike linebacker that wanted to rip your face off. Dan is a really intelligent guy. He kind of cut his, you know, cut his teeth through the you know, through Seattle, and then he was in Buffalo for a little bit before he came to Carolina. He's a really highly respected guy. He's very intelligent. I think he uses a lot of his playing days, you know, um, lessons learned. Now he's carried it into the front office as he's made his journey now to, to this position as the GM, president of ops, whatever the title is. And um, so I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but like, definitely does. I think people that think of him as his linebacker days are like, oh man, we just got this tough, hard nosed linebacker that was a crazy middle, you know, crazy white guy. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> this dude is like highly intelligent, great communicator, great evaluator of talent. So I see a lot of parallels and similarities. And listen, I want them to do well. I live here. I want my kids to cheer for the home team. I want them to succeed. And hopefully, Dan does that. Now, and I get where Greg Olson is coming from, too. And, and it feels like, okay, so here's Greg defending the hire of Dan Morgan, whom he knows. And also, you're fighting the notion that this crazy middle linebacker takes over what is a cerebral position. And everyone might just have the stereotype of him not really knowing what to do at that spot. Oh, he's played back in the you know, grind era of you know, when it was all about establishing the run and yeah. meeting that running back in the gap. And then you got to come with your lunch pail. And <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's like that. This is what I was talking about too, where Dan Morgan did learn for 15 years in front offices, whether yeah. it be with a successful one in Seattle, whether it be with a successful one in Buffalo, and now he comes back home here to Carolina where he actually learns the lay of the land in a different role in a city that he already played in, right? Like That's one thing that I do want people to realize about Dan Morgan taking this job. For sure, I understand that you might want an outside name because he's just too closely attached to terrible football over the last few years, but what is also true about Dan Morgan is that that he did put the time in and that there are 
um, plenty of reasons as to why you could believe he has the experience to get this thing back on track because it has been a while and I get it. But Dan Morgan is somebody that put the time in. Yeah, but the thing is, too, you know, when you look at positions in football, I mean, the middle linebacker, we know is like a quarterback on defense. They're very cerebral. They need to know a lot of stuff. They need to pack in a lot of information. And so also you combine that with the playing experience with the scouting experience that he's had. He's really cut his teeth uh, in this league as far as analyzing talent. What are people looking for? And so you combine that with the player aspect of him knowing what's going to work and what's not when he watches the guy on film. And, oh, yeah, as a Mike Backer, Lord knows all the film you got to watch because you want to know the tendencies of offenses and the tendencies of players and all that stuff. So I think Dan... Has a has the potential to be a really good GM, man, because I feel like he's going to have a real understanding of what works. I just wonder how much influence he had on Fitterer when he was here with the, some of the pickups and, and selections they made. That, that could go 50-50. We don't know, right? Yeah. Maybe Dan Morgan is telling you not to make this move. Maybe he is step-by-step with you and telling you, yep, this is perfect. Let's go ahead and roll with it, and he's totally on board. We just don't know about a lot of the decisions. But it is funny how Greg Olson is also fighting that notion of the stereotype that is the crazy white guy, as he puts it, at middle linebacker, just being this brute of a dude instead of this real cerebral player but it actually is a really cerebral position and so the stereotype is just flat out not true in some circumstances you got to have a little bit of crazy if you see ball hit ball no no it's not and trust me i understand that you have to have crazy if you seek collisions the difference at linebacker and running back despite running backs being involved so often everybody is pursuing you the difference is they're running away from collisions and linebackers are running towards it. So you have to be crazy. There's got to be a little bit of that in you. But also, you do have to watch so much film. You are the quarterback of the defense. You are asked to do so many different things, whether it be stop the run, rush the passer, drop back in coverage. And the fact that he can now bring his playing experience to his front office experience for over a decade, it, you could hit on everything, Wes. You could have it all. You could have the guy that you loved playing for your favorite team back in the day, and you could have somebody that's really good at it, Mm -hmm. right? Not just have that hometown connection. So there are reasons to believe that this can work. What else you got for us here, Shroppy Joe Person? Trading for Brian uh, Brian Burns? Yeah. We can play that. My bad. I set you up for failure. That's my fault. Hopefully Dan (laughs) Morgan doesn't do that for Panthers fans. Not set everybody (laughs) up for failure. Here's Joe Person on trading for Brian Burns and the possibility that happens this offseason and this upcoming regular season. I would seriously consider, uh, you know, dealing Brian Burns. As as tough a pill as that might be to swallow the fan base. I mean, Burns is a terrific locker room guy. You're not going to get what the what the Rams offered in 2022. Obviously, that, that ship has sailed. But uh, you know, if you're trying to tell a head coach like you know this is not going to be a three year rebuild, then you got to give him a little ammo to work with. And 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 Brian Burns, you know, is, is really the only chip they have to to potentially get a first round pick. You know, to, to hand it to Dan Morgan and, and whoever this next coach is. It's certainly the one that could still get the most return. I think people have it a little twisted when it's correct to say that they're not going to get the Rams package anymore. You're not going to get two first and a second or third, which is it's ridiculous. It's a lot. OK, you're not going to get that. But of the pieces that you might be willing to trade because of the circumstance you're in, because Brian Burns is out here asking for 30 million. 
does Brian Burns or do the Carolina Panthers really want to have this mess hanging above them while they're just trying to get their team back on the right track here? So maybe what you do is you trade, who is a really important player, I get it, but maybe you do trade Brian Burns for a first-round pick in a, what, a fifth? Like even just sneak something else in there, which I think could happen. Anything less than a first, I've said it a million times, you're not trading them. At that point, it's just dumb, right? But if you can get a first, you can get maybe another young receiver that has some promise, whatever, then it would make some sense. I totally get what Joe Person is talking about. Yeah, and I feel like that, okay, so two trains of thought here. You can look at it as, A, you're chasing your tail because you get rid of Brian Burns. You're going to have to go out and replace him, no question about it. But if the route you want to go is to trade Brian Burns, there's a case for that because the Carolina Panthers were 32nd, dead last in sacks per game. They had even less sacks per game than they did last year by almost half a sack. So if you want to say, hey, we weren't getting to the quarterback like that anyway with him. So if a team wants to give us a first rounder or of one and a three or whatever the case may be, then let's do that. And then you go with that and then you just completely just blow everything up, build the defense around Derrick Brown, build the offense around Bryce Young and keep it pushing. So if you can grab a first-round pick, especially if you got a plan of what you want to get, uh, then, hey, uh, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world at this point. I wonder how much of a topic that was during the interview process for some of these general managers and even Dan Morgan, which, you know, Dan, you already know how he feels because he's been in that building for a long time. So who knows how he feels? But I, I do wonder just how much like that, that's got to be up there on the to-do list. Figure out what the hell you're doing with Brian Burns. And if you're going to trade him, then let's go ahead and trade him for something that can help Bryce Young right now. And you can get as much time with a receiver, a draft pick. You can go ahead and get that taken care of this season. Because this is a weird spot where even if you get a higher draft pick and it's two years from now, you need help for Bryce now, right? Like, so it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do. That's it for dropping it shropping it like it's hot we can move on and we'll continue to talk a little bit more about the charlotte hornets with jake fisher what they might do at the trade deadline we'll also reiterate the panthers coaching candidates how would you feel about dave canales being the next panthers head coach we'll talk about it coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walker back at it here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Got some news for you, Wes. Got some news for the listeners. All right, what you got? We have another second interview taking place with the Atlanta Falcons. It's not Bobby Slowick. You already knew that. He's already getting a second interview. It's Jero Averro. Joe Person, excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons first tweeted out, we've completed a second interview with Panthers defensive coordinator, Jero Averro. 
Joe Person, then quote tweets that within the last hour and says, not sure the Panthers are going to be able to keep a Jero Avero. And so I don't know if we've seen momentum one way or the other on what's going to happen with the D.C. here in Carolina. Maybe you felt like, if anything, momentum was leaning towards Carolina being able to keep him. If Canales is the guy, if one of these young offensive coordinators ends up being the head coach, I know Frank Smith and Avero have the same agent. You know That's been tossed around as, hey, here's an idea. Maybe the agent does try to drive the decision-making of keeping a couple of his clients here in Carolina, and they can work together. But now it seems like with this, Joe Person telling you not sure they're going to be able to keep him. I don't know. What do you make of Avero having a second interview? And how big of a loss would that be for this team? Uh, I, I think it would be a big loss as far as you change your whole scheme. You go to a 3-4 primarily as your defense, and now you're going to have to go back again, especially if you get a new coordinator. But fortunately, you're not too deep into it to where you have mostly 3-4 personnel uh, at this point. And so you can kind of go either direction. here. You can keep it going, or you can go back to a 43 front. So there's that. Uh, he did a good job with the defense this year. I mean, the run defense wasn't great. They didn't get to the quarterback. Uh, dead last in sacks per game, as I said. The defense was still top uh, six or seven in the league in total defense. Uh, scoring defense, not so much. So, at the end of the day, I think if the Panthers lose a Jiro Evero, I don't think it's a big deal. I think the new coach has a chance to come in and install his own defensive coordinator and uh, be able to just have a full staff. And that's kind of what I wanted to see. I didn't really want to see a new coach come in here and have to be paired with people from the old regime and this, that, and the third. And and that's not to say that he's going to get this Atlanta Falcons job because Lord knows Atlanta's going through candidates and it looks like Bill Belichick probably is not going to happen. So who's to say he doesn't get it? But if he does does get that job, you know, I think that the Panthers will be able to to muster. What you thinking, Shropping? Well, if we end up going back to the scheme we used before Evero was here, just a question for you guys. Do you think that we see a regression from Derek Brown back to what he was? Do you do you think that he specifically exceeds in the scheme that Avero brought, or do you think he returns back to what he was? Well, he's been balling for the last two. Yeah. And so I think that's I think we've now like it, it was fair coming into this year. Okay. Derek Brown only gave us one great year of production. Can he do it again and become the consistent player where you can set your watch to it? This is one of the best defensive tackles in the league, and we know what going into every season. It was fair to question, even though I thought that he was just on the ascent and it took a little while for him. I thought that. Now he backed it up. That second half of this season specifically, even I would say, what, the last 10 games or so, just a complete monster. Mm-hmm. And sure, you would like him to get home a little bit more, sack in the quarterback, but he still did provide a pass rush on top of being an elite run stopper. So I think the important thing to keep in mind is that Derek Brown has now given you two years of production back to back. And it didn't matter what scheme he was in. Odd man front base. It doesn't matter what kind of base front you have. Derek Brown, he's got the goods. And now we've gotten to see that the last couple of years. Uh, I would like to see Brian. I mean, not Brian Burns. I'd like to see Derek Brown, uh, as a three technique and a four, three defense, I think that's where he's the most effective. And for people that don't know, that's a defensive tackle. I think a defensive end. Yeah. He had a great year as a three, four defensive end doing this thing, but I think he is at his most disruptive as a four, three, uh, three technique, uh, interior defensive lineman. I think it puts him closer to the quarterback. It puts him on a worse pass, uh, blocker than the tackles that he has to go against out there on the edge. And so, um, 
I I think it would be a good move if they. So you think it, a, it's even more like you're actually going the exact opposite of what Shroppy was hinting at. Yeah, like I, here he's asking, do we worry about regression? You're saying no, we worry about progression if he goes back to a yeah, different. Yeah, I, I like. I think you see more sacks if he goes back to that three technique. I think you see the quarterback pressures go up uh, even more. He he got a fair amount of pressures out of his current position, but I mean this was a 23rd yeah. ranked run defense, and uh, granted they were the same amount of yardage, 122.4 to 122.6 the year before that. But I just think that in building the defense, you got Derrick Brown in there, that three technique, letting him wreak havoc and then put some guys around uh, him in, in that front. I think that can be good. Or he can be good again if he stays in the 34. So, But as far as what position I like him at the most, I go with that three technique. Well, and, and also, just as we talk about the defense more so, I don't know who the next defensive coordinator is going to be. I have zero clue. But I do wonder, just as far as trying to save some money, right? If Brian Burns is asking for $30 million a year, and he's not really budging off of that. And Carolina decides to trade him. So you franchise tag him. You eventually trade him. Whatever happens, he's with a different team. And you now have a first-round pick at your disposal. Now you can apply that money to Derek Brown. So you're not losing a ton on the defensive side. Or at least it's not getting as bad as it possibly could be. And then you save some other money. Or you use the other money to like go after two average edge rushers. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's something that you could do. It. You'll have some a little bit more money to play with if Brian Burns is traded. You get a, a draft pick because it's not like more salaries coming back on your books. You got a first round pick, so we'll see what Carolina decides to do. All right, let's switch up the sports talk here. Different sports. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Jake Fisher to Wesson Walker, also the author of Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Senior NBA reporter of Yahoo Sports now joining us to talk more about the Charlotte Hornets. Jake, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're trying to make sense of what the Charlotte Hornets are going to do. And since you're an expert on this, how you're the author of Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Mitch Kupchak was adamant when speaking to media yesterday that this was not a complete rebuild, okay? He thinks a rebuild is when you start from scratch. And so knowing about the tanking the way that you do, is that a fair assessment? Like, would you call what the Hornets are about to do a rebuild, or would you do the whole retooling thing when describing the Hornets? I think that no matter what you call it, they've been rebuilding for the last couple of years. They have... They already have the, the results of what a rebuild is designed to do. You want to get multiple top five draft picks and have them grow together with the hope that they will become what Shea Gildas Alexander and Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams and those guys are doing down in OKC. You're hoping that you just get one guy who becomes as good as Joel Embiid, like Stan Hanky did in Philadelphia or with Boston. You know, people forget. The Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce the same night that the hinky process started in Philadelphia. And Boston, for being bad and having that trade with Brooklyn, they drafted Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown both in the top three. So that's the type of goal a team does take when you decide to bottom out. Your, your hope is that you have those talents that can lift you back to winning. And Charlotte does already have two in place that they believe really are cornerstone type guys on the mellow ball and Brandon Miller. 
That's Jake Fisher, who you can find on Twitter, too, by the way, at Jake L. Fisher. If you are interested in that book, go to his Twitter profile, and there's a link there, triumphbooks.com. You can click on that link, and it takes you to the exact place that you can purchase uh, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. All right, just wanted to make sure people knew about that, because now I want to go into the Charlotte Hornets, Jake, where Mitch Kupchak, I know you talked about this a little bit in an interview yesterday where the message is out on the Charlotte Hornets front. They're willing to deal in a way that they have not done at previous NBA trade deadlines. Uh, was that message directed by new ownership? And then Mitch Kupchak brought that out there? Or is this just something that Mitch realizes what the writing on the wall is and that you need to make moves now? You know, I don't know the specifics of what's happening day to day, but I can definitely tell you from all of my conversations that, that new ownership is very involved and that, this has been a kind of a, a first year, not a first season, like a full, a full first 12 operating months of, of a business for Gay Plock and Rick Schnall to assess how the leadership works in this, in this type of industry, you know, different than other sports and different than other you know, multi-billion dollar businesses and organizations that have a ton of employees. I think they've sat back and asked questions and are now starting to, take the reins a little bit and make some things happen here. So obviously Mitch is still involved. You know, he's not uh, talking to the press if, if he wasn't, but I, I do think there's clearly an influence and a presence from new management. And there's also clearly been a goal so far of trying to create financial flexibility moving forward to, to have freedom and wiggle room to take some necessary changes that I don't necessarily think there's like a direct seven-point plan of what Charlotte's trying to do right now, but they're clearly having talks about Gordon Hayward, and they're hoping that they could be retrade value for Kyle Lowry, and there has been further messaging that the Horns are going to keep dealing with uh, a continued goal of keeping that financial flexibility where you know Lowry's deal that they got back for Terry Rozier was an expiring contract compared to the three-plus seasons left on Terry's agreement. And then, Jake, when you talk about some owners, some owners are in it for profit. They don't care about the win. So is it safe to say with you saying that this ownership is giving the directives here that this is going to be a group that's going to be aggressive, that they want to get the Hornets on the winning track? Yeah, it sounds like these guys have been kind of preparing themselves to run a team dating back to when they were minority figures with the Atlanta Hawks. And I think you're seeing it with... Matt Ishbia in Phoenix, you're seeing it with the Haslam family in Milwaukee, who are now part of the ownership group there with the Bucks. They're obviously just fired Adrian Griffin yesterday, and was made. that's a move that just obviously screams out championship robust expectations. Like A lot of these new owners are coming in with the goal of throwing around money to compete, and the league in general is pretty you know, considered pretty wide open right now. There's no Golden State, Cleveland, four years meeting in the finals. It's been a new champion of the last five straight season so i think there's a pretty widespread like overall goal of teams pushing chips in the middle and trying to get a championship you know accomplished but i think with charlotte with charlotte in particular yeah i do think this is a this is a group that has real designs on being smart and efficient and productive and, and building something that's a sustainable winner for the long term 
And so, Jake, with with that said, when you look at Melo and Brandon Miller, and then if you want to include Mark Williams as one of those cornerstones, we're not sure what's going to happen with Miles Bridges. Is the objective of the Hornets, uh, in your opinion, and from what you've heard, to add a a third star through the draft, or do they want to find uh, some vets and kind of change around the locker room that way and find another star that's already established? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't necessarily think there's like a clear cut we we're doing these trades now to then have this come up this summer mm-hmm. and then next trade deadline we can do this. I think Charlotte's main goal in, in the interim is just moving off on some of these long-term salaries, trying to get back, or not even just long-term, just the bigger numbers. You know, Gordon and, and Kyle are both $30 million expiring contracts. Um, you know, P.J. Washington has a lot of value out there. Even though I don't think he's like necessarily – uh, a bad deal or like any type of albatross that the team thinks I need to shed. But I think just the opportunity to send out veteran talent and recoup any type of draft capital while creating perhaps even more financial flexibility, it's just going to give the Hornets general pathways that they didn't have previously. Like before the Terry Rozier deal, for example, Miles Bridges' name has been coming up in trade talk, but being with that, there's been some pretty general skepticism I'd say around the league that the Hornets are going to even be able to retain him next, you know, this off season where now all of a sudden they have upwards of $45 million in cap space. And that suddenly makes bringing back Miles Bridges like a far more realistic outcome for Charlotte. Jake Fisher joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, talking about the Charlotte Hornets uh, at the trade deadline, how they'll operate. Jake, how are they going to handle some of the veterans? I know you mentioned the demand for Gordon Hayward and uh, just what it might be out there on the market. Same thing for Kyle Lowry, too. What is the demand for both of those vets in Gordon Hayward and Kyle Lowry? You know, what's definitely working in Charlotte's favor, which is something that I saw Mitch Kupchak said during his press conference, is that the new CBA where teams who are over the first tax apron paying into the luxury tax are unable to sign players on a buyout who are making over the mid-level exception, which is around $12 million this year. So for both Gordon and Kyle, if a team really wants him, they're going to have to trade him if they're over the apron. That's not going to be the easiest salary figure to match. So we'll see if that actually happens. But historically, when teams... You know, I think back to Andre Drummond a few years ago. The, the Cavaliers acquired him from Detroit, hoping they could just get him for a second-round pick, and no team was willing to do that because, lo and behold, the trade deadline passed, and then he got a buyout, and there was like four teams bidding for Andre Drummond services. So I'm not so optimistic for Charlotte's circumstances that they're going to be able to get anyone to, to buy and to, to get on the hook, being that, there, there is that, that likelihood that plenty of teams, even though the ones in the apron aren't going to be able to sign them on the buyout. Now, Philly, for example, Kyle Lowry, that's where he's from. He played college ball there. He's got connections to Nick Nurse from Toronto and Daryl Morey from Houston. I just, I, I don't think Philly's going to be giving up too much assets when it comes to that, being that they'll, they'll have expectations that they'll have a good chance of getting him. But some team could swoop in and make a last-ditch effort, that's for sure. Is there any chance the Hornets could do something unexpected uh, by the trade deadline, by trading someone we don't expect them to trade, or maybe trying to get in on one of the top targets of free agency, like a, a Donovan Mitchell who they missed out on before? No, I mean, to me, nothing would really be so unexpected outside of them parting ways with one of those kind of core three guys that 
he mentioned earlier, LaMelo, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. I think anything outside of those three guys moving and shaking in Charlotte, I think the league and uh, myself, I'm, I'm definitely prepared for, for those types of moves to happen. Jake, last thing for me, I, I know that you also mentioned that not only is the Charlotte Hornets message out there that they're ready to deal at the trade deadline, but also that the NBA's understanding, as at least as it stands right now, is that this will be Mitch Kupchak's last year with Charlotte. At least that's the assumption. If that is the case, if this is the last year for Mitch Kupchak at the helm, what are some names out there that might be considered as the Hornets' next GM? No, I, I don't want to say any specific names because I don't want that to inadvertently hurt someone's chances at getting that job because I think this is a sensitive subject being that there's a guy in place and we're talking about a potential future that doesn't include him. But one thing I'll say is that there's been some talk about several people who have Duke ties and Duke connections based off of that type of connection from, from the ownership group. So there, there are plenty of executives in the league who have been uh, – candidates let's say at recent positions that that fit that bill and guys who are number two guys around the league who are looking for an opportunity that are, are connected to that school and that program that i would definitely keep an eye on all right that's jake fisher find him on twitter at jake l fisher you can also find his content as a senior nba reporter for yahoo sports and don't forget to go check out his book built to lose how the nba's tanking era changed the league forever if you go to his twitter profile there's a link there where you can find that book jake thank you so much for the time man we really appreciate all the insight thanks jake appreciate you guys thanks for the hospitality absolutely we'll go to uh put that uh interview on our website as always wfnz.com in case you missed it um need to hear it again because i think a lot of people are going to try to take the magnifying glass out and make sense of that last answer yeah (laughs) giving us a little bit of a a coding project okay let's decode what does he mean there's a name that comes up in my mind and i'll share that on the other side of the break one more segment to go here on (laughs) weston walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. segment to go on Wesson Walker before we hand it off to the Kyle Bailey show with Willie P filling in for Kyle Bailey. Kyle's a little busy right now. Baby's here. Yep. We got a big shout to Kyle Bailey writing in on the station chain saying we got a baby exclamation point. So big shout out to the Bailey household. That's how we roll in the Bailey household. Yeah, we know how you roll, Kyle. We we (laughs) definitely know. We've heard it a couple times on the commercials. And now we know via the picture of you in the hospital welcoming another child into the world. And that's so appreciate the heads up on that. And and big shouts out. Yeah, big shout out. That's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Kyle Bailey. I don't know when he's going to be back. I know he was talking about it a little bit yesterday. Might be. 
popping in here and there, maybe from the home studios that he creates, and we'll see what Willie P is doing and then how much Kyle can help out. But So really cool and big shout-out to Kyle Bailey. I did want to go play that last soundbite for you, the last question that we had with Jake Fisher. I asked him if Mitch Kupchak is gone from the Hornets, such is the assumption. If that ends up being true, then what are some names that make sense to take over that GM job for Charlotte? Jake Fisher didn't want to name any names because he didn't want to, I guess, affect the future at all or get that out there. Remember, this is somebody that used to have a podcast called Please Don't Aggregate This. He's very aware of that. So I understand where Jake is coming from, but let's play that answer once again. Here he is. Uh, here's Jake Fisher responding to the names that might be considered as the Hornets next GM. No, I, I don't want to say any specific names because I don't want that to inadvertently hurt someone's chances at getting that job because I think this is a sensitive subject being that there's a guy in place and we're talking about a potential feature that doesn't include him. But one thing I'll say is that there's been some talk about several people who have Duke ties and Duke connections based off of that type of connection from, from the ownership group. So there, mm-hmm. there are plenty of executives in the league who have been uh, candidates, let's say, at recent positions that, that fit that bill and guys who are number two guys around the league who are looking for an opportunity that are, are connected to that school and that program that I would definitely keep an eye on. There are two guys that fit this bill. There are two. One is Jeff Peterson. He's the Nets assistant general manager as it stands right now. Jeff Peterson does have ties with Rick Schnall specifically. Remember, Schnall is the guy that is at least running the first five years before you have this weird back and forth of, you know, who's first in command as the owner. Rick Schnall has ties being with the Atlanta Hawks, having been the minority owner with that franchise. Glade Plotkin is supposed to take over, I guess, for the next five years after that. So Jeff Peterson, Nets GM. Nets assistant GM. And the other one that makes more sense to me is the Wizards senior vice president of player personnel, Travis Schlenk, who used to be the general manager of the Atlanta Hawks. And so that would make more sense, in my opinion, saying there's two names there that would make much more sense. And we've seen this before. Like it, it's, it's always been these two guys that have made the most sense here in Charlotte. But the fact that you hear it again from Jake Fisher, well tapped in, those are going to be the names that you pay attention to. And if you go back to the beginning of this interview, where Jake is telling you that ownership is very involved in the new direction of this franchise, then if they're that involved there, they might be involved in hiring another GM. And maybe that would be either Jeff Peterson, as we mentioned, or Travis Schlink, who has experience constructing a team that gets to the Eastern Conference Finals, hello Atlanta Hawks, that upsets the Philadelphia 76ers. So what do you think about those two names and having a little bit of the Hawks franchise here with the Hornets? Well, definitely need to do a little more research to get up to speed on these two gentlemen. But I was going to ask you, too, are, is that encouraging? Is this because we we talk about meddling a lot with David Tepper, but now we're hearing that the Hornets ownership group is now very much involved and that they're wanting to make moves and wanting to be successful, I found that to be very encouraging because um, not to say that Michael Jordan and crew and owners before that weren't necessarily all in on winning, but we know how those situations went. But I think it's refreshing to hear that you've got an ownership group and a new crop of owners coming into the NBA that want to compete. They want to be great. And so uh, I, I think for the Hornets, that that's got to feel good to hear that. And I was going to ask you, what do you think uh, about hearing ownership starting to put their thumbprint on things already and they're not wasting a lot of time? So, yeah, I, I think with um, 
I think when you're talking about, I was looking at some of the tweets here, but I do think that when you're talking about the ownership group and their control, um, to me, if you were to go after one of these guys, then I think that they would kind of, it would lend itself to them listening to the GM, whoever is in place more, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I need, I'm sorry, I was reading the text messages, I was reading tweets, people responding to this, but I, I think some people are a little worried about ownership being as involved as they are. Mm-hmm. I think they see images of Michael Jordan. I think they see images of David Tepper a little bit. You know, all right, are we flying too close to the sun again where we're going to have another, <laughs> right? I, I do think that if they bring in somebody that they're familiar with, then the likelihood of them listening to the guy they hire is greater, right? Rather than them being meddling, so to speak. So if that's the case, then I'm cool with that. Like I'm cool with ownership wanting to win already see their imprint a little bit on the organization with the renovations and um, with some of the updates that are happening to spectrum center. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to have to see what happens on the basketball front. And I guess I missed this too. I saw a couple coach K jokes, but uh, thank you for a couple people pointing this out to me. I thought I was trying to hear that answer, but apparently he hinted at a potential GM having a connection to Duke. And so I know see some people uh, had the uh, the idea that Coach K. Coach K be. being a GM at a Hornet, huh? Would you like that? Maybe we get some big ticket players in here if we got <laughs> Coach K. I mean, from the Olympic experience and all that, maybe that'll help. Maybe we can finally get some big-time superstars that want to come here. Yeah, maybe so. All right, so that'll do it here for Wesson Walker. Thanks for listening to us on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Stay tuned for Willie P. You got something else you wanted to say here? Well, I'm just West? saying, man, Kane's game got uh, the okay. Boston Bruins tonight. I had no clue. You looked me right in my soul. I didn't know what well, you were I know okay. we normally go over what we're going to watch, and, and so... Okay. Uh, we threw some of those items in there, but definitely Canes at Bruins tonight, man. That's going to be a big a one. Good one. Big one. Yeah, hopefully they can get a win because Lord knows they give up so many goals. You know, we really should have hockey analysis, especially when Troppy's in. Come yeah, on. Just didn't, yeah. I just didn't think, all right, that's his analysis. Come on. That's it. That's the only thing that we'll hear about hockey. No. And that Wes is going to be watching the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for real, for real this time on Wes and Walker. Willie P coming at you next alongside Smoke Ludwig, bringing you the Kyle Bailey Show. Right here on Sports uh, Sports Radio Radio. 92.7 WFNZ. WFNZ. We'll see you tomorrow.